Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Good to see you. I haven't seen you in two minutes. I know. And I, I mean, I, I have to tell yeah, exactly. I have to tell you that listening to book three makes me so much more excited about our interviews and the fact that it's like listening to it for the first time. I'm like, what? I think, I think that's hilarious. Because you, just to explain to the audience, you go into a trance while, I mean, whatever the word trance means, and you don't remember anything we say. Well, they, they, so what doctors have, you know, said to me is that it's like I'm sleeping, but yet I'm awake doing my work. It's the Theta Delta state. So Love that. That's, I, that's a good excuse for not turning in your homework. So if you, if you ever talk to somebody that's asleep, they're not gonna, they don't remember. And that's my whole day at work. But have you ever had dreams that are so bad or things that were super exciting? You remember the feelings associated with it, even if you don't remember the actual dream. That's right. all that comes into play. Because I'll remember the feelings are, that are associated with cases that I work on, but I won't remember, you know, you know, I've just told people. I'm like, Listen, I, if we can talk about that for a little second here, and I got this strong message last night as I was going to sleep, which was to do an introduction of sorts of what we're doing, you know, not that people can figure it out or that we can figure it out, but Jennifer right. is a medium who works with law enforcement agencies nationwide and other people to help with missing person cases. And yeah. we... We ran into each other in the weirdest way, actually listening. I you from Facebook after I, after I listened to your voice for It's a Wonderful Afterlife, and you kept referencing Santa Monica, and I'm like, that's just down the street. I'm going to just see. And I got this friend request from this friend, from Jennifer, and, and it, that was, I don't know, six years ago, something like that. And we have been putting up with each other every week for the past six years, we get together and we do this experiment, which is what can we do with the flip side? Can we talk to them? And- It never ceases to amaze me who comes through and what they say. Like you couldn't, you couldn't write a book like this, literally. A good you one. You <laughs> have to be so, like, it's crazy. I it is, and I, I must say, I, you know, I met, we mentioned it in Backstage Pass, the flip side, also in Hacking the Afterlife and how Jennifer and I first met. But I'll never forget the first time that you and I were sitting together and you literally said, so-and-so is sitting over your shoulder or standing over your shoulder. I'm seeing it. And this was uh, someone I barely knew, Michael Newton, somebody I had interviewed. Morton. And I said, who's standing behind me? And you said, Morton. And I said, <laughs> Morton. Who's Morton? And I thought to myself, I, I don't know anybody named Morton on the flip side. And then she, you said, it, the guy you interviewed. And I went, you mean Michael Newton? And you know, if you're working on a construct of how to create something like this, you don't have the medium give you the absolutely wrong name of the right. person that you're trying to talk to. Except in this case, that's exactly what happened. And so, because I wasn't close with him, I, I asked, what are you doing here? Like, why are you showing up here? And he said he was helping people on the other side to communicate with us. First time I'd ever heard that. I will never forget that. Yeah. Because it was like, what? Don't they like, all, don't they all know how? And yeah, don't he, they? Yeah, it was like, you know. What's the difference? And I yeah. think the, 
the difference was that they all know that they could talk to us. We just don't know that we get to talk to them. That was such a revelation to hear that, that they know they exist. We pretend that they don't. So I was going on uh, coast to coast that weekend. I know, because I, you know, I, I said to Michael, then I was on coast to coast the other night, but I said, Michael, I'm going to be on this show. What should I tell them? What's a way, a one, two, three of how people can talk to their loved ones on the flip side? And Jennifer helped me with this, and it's in uh, Backstage Pass to the flip side, mm -hmm. book one and two. It's a workbook and how to talk to your relatives. But basically, in an essence, Morton said, just say their name, ask them questions. When you hear an answer before you can ask the question, then you'll know you're connected. Right. Very simple. So we're doing a variation of that, which is we have our friend, our mutual friend, Luana Andrews, who passed away in 1996. I mean, I knew her for 20 years. She died in my arms. We were very connected. And then she started appearing to me in dreams and other ways. Uh, I was working on the Charles Grodin show, and she appeared on the show through James Von Prague, a medium. I mean, appeared saying, Richard, there's a photograph in your house that is the essence of your relationship on your fridge. And so that was, that was my verification, and which when eventually led to me to Jennifer, maybe 10, 15 years later. And here we are. So without further ado, Hello, class. <laughs> Hello, class. Let's ask Luana, how are you doing? And was that appropriate? Is that what you wanted me to do? You wanted me to do an introduction and why? Yes. Um, oh, she's showing people might go in out of order, which there really is no order. She's kind of laughing about that. And if we don't explain it, they're going to think this is just cray cray. <laughs> you know? Okay. I, uh, that makes sense. A little bit of a preamble instead of like the opening montage. And she said that maybe we should put that, you know, something like that as well. Like a, like a written thing? Or maybe I should cut together something that says something like that. You know, I'm at Jennifer. Keep at your own risk <laughs> or stay at your own risk. <laughs> yeah. Well, but just a preamble to, so people can understand the context, which is we're not here trying to prove the afterlife exists. Jennifer and I have been doing this for six years. We already, well, she already knew before she met me, but we're showing, demonstrating that you can continue the conversation on. That's yeah. what we're doing. That's what we, that's what a lot, and a lot of mediums believe that as well, that everyone has access. Everyone has that ability and that, you know, to be able to do it. Now, I must say, a couple of people have weighed in online, leaving comments, saying, you have to let Jennifer talk. <laughs> in the book, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I can't interrupt you there. I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, in the book, I, I get to talk, and he doesn't interrupt her. <laughs> Corona. Okay. So, darling, Lou, I assume that you have somebody you want us to talk to, and I have... Cleared the deck. I had a couple of people in my mind that have sort of drifted in and out. I told you that Prince came. I didn't mean I didn't tell you, but Prince showed up earlier. I know that's not somebody you want. That's not somebody that you asked to talk. No, to. no, I haven't. I'm, I cleared the deck. That's what I'm trying to say. Because I, I don't want to interrupt. So Prince, please come forward. Tell us what do you want to tell us? I've been listening to our book. 
like for the first time. Like, and, and so all of our classmates, I, people I didn't, I completely forgot about her over there. Um, I'll never forget them. But so I'm like, a lot of stuff is just in my head. I just need to clear out. You actually, you say a name. So you say a name that pops into your head since I've been listening to our book and our, all our classes I'm going to get. It's, I already have an attachment to it. Well, just to clarify, when Jennifer says they're listening to the book for the first time, it's not like they have Walkman over there or they're listening to their iPad, but they listen through Jennifer or their people are connected to who are listening to the book. And, and of course, their name comes up and then they can hear that reference to them and either dismiss it like that's nonsense what are they talking about anthony or anthony bourdain talking asking a question to george bush yeah so i forget what the question was do you remember about the two the prisoners of war oh yeah to george bush senior that was great this has happened a couple of times where anthony bourdain has shown up and because he was so good at this at this literally talking to people and asking questions and getting stuff out of them. A couple of times I've just turned it over to him, pointed the microphone over to Anthony and said, please. And he asked George Bush Sr. Right. a question about his incarceration, not his incarceration, but his friends during World War II who had been trapped in a prison. He was curious about that. It was fascinating, that's for sure. And I, I know we had him we had him ask Michael Jackson a question because when Michael Jackson came through, I had that same feeling of like, no one's going to believe that I'm talking to Michael Jackson. So let's ask Anthony Bourdain, what would you ask him? And he asked him questions about how difficult it was for to have fame immediately. He went right to the heart of how did you cope? Or was it Michael Jackson? No, it was somebody who had a crew. Oh, it was Frank Sinatra. I'm sorry, Michael, Frank. By the way, you talking about Frank was hilarious in and of itself. Like, what did you tell us? Did he just beat up or killed someone again? Or like, <laughs> He said things that were very disturbing. All I can say is, you know, Frank was making light. When we first talked to him, let's say, he was making light of the mafia guys that he knew, the tough guys, and how that was just their way of speaking, you know, their way of talking. But it was like weird. He was saying, I don't even want to repeat what he said. But anyways. Okay. Anyway, Anthony, I asked you to interview Frank. Right. Because and your question to Frank was, how did you handle the fame? And because Anthony didn't have a crew, he didn't have meditation. He didn't he have those tools. He'd still be alive if he had meditation. That's right. He did say that. He'd still be on the planet. So Lou. Who do you want us to talk to today? I can't push Prince away this many times. So That's okay. Let's talk to him. Lou, he's here for a reason. You let him in. You gave him the pass. Like I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Did he leap over you? Of course, he can jump over. I just saw that. I just saw that. Okay. Hold on. Oh, he likes bread, too. That's interesting. Um, and I have a clipboard for those people. If I like down. Right. Right, write it down. Um, okay, he's putting you in my mind's eye again. Mm 
You need to have music accompanying the books. Yours? I, I couldn't afford it. No. No, hold on. Mine? He's so funny. That was actually really funny because they showed me Dory or like whatever from Nemo, Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. mine. Um, okay. Music that I'll help you with it. They want you to have bucks. Is this okay? And a ukulele, since everybody's learning ukulele up there. <laughs> okay, cool. That's one of my songs. I think that's cool. Um, well, all right. Music would help. I, but let me clarify, Prince. What you're saying is not that Rich Martini should play but that music with this kind of research that we're doing, this talking to the flip side, helps you to focus and helps them to focus. Is that correct? That the frequency of music is like a bandwidth that you can that connect with. Yes. May I suggest this? When people listen or want to talk to someone on the flip side, they put on a particular piece of music that connects them emotionally. Okay. Does that make more, yeah. I mean, does it make more sense? So like, if you want to talk to your grandmother and you knew that she was somebody who loved Bing Crosby and you put on some Bing Crosby songs and as you're singing them and thinking about them, then you start connecting with your grandmother who loved Bing and then just focus on that tone and ask her the questions. Would that, is that like amplify the connection? Yes. Yeah, it's it's no different than he's also showing sharing with me. Huh. That's interesting. I don't know why I'm seeing a figure skater. I have no idea why. I do. I don't. And so my he's, he's funny. Brilliant. Um it's a great reference. Can you see the figure skater? And she, it looks like an older, it looks like somebody that was a figure skater because I'm famous. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who. Prince, I'm going to unpack this and you please correct me if I'm wrong for the people watching. Jennifer and I do this all the time. The reason he put the figure skater in your mind is something my wife related to me who used to figure skate. And she said that there were used to be stunts, you know, like triple flips and triple whatever they're called that were almost impossible to do. People could not do them. But then finally, when somebody learned how to do that, a triple axle, other skaters learned it like that. They saw it, they learned it. Wow. Is that what he's talking about? So that watching yes. someone like us communicate and talk to people on the flip side helps people to learn that incredible stunt that has taken literally centuries to learn. That is a beautiful analogy. It's weird because my wife said it, it's in the last chapter of Architecture of the Afterlife. And she, we were talking about how difficult it is for people to learn things and she made that observation. And Philip Glass, the musician, who, uh, you know, classical composer, he talked about that. There were, there were pieces that were nearly impossible for people to play. 
And once somebody mastered them, then it was like everyone could play them. That's it's true. like almost like that hundred monkey concept. Yeah, that that's, yeah. And for instance, Beethoven, you know, and then you have Shakespeare. Wow, I guess whatever, that's interesting. Very but that idea of helping people communicate with their loved ones on the other side, add music to the mix. Now, let me ask you about this, Prince, because you would know the answer to this. I was reading about something today, actually, and it was a, an old article, but it was about how music not only helps people with Alzheimer's, because either the part of the brain that is still functioning, music is one of those things, but it was an article, a little obscure, a little esoteric, about how sound and the human voice can help either rewire the brain or actually affect certain illnesses like cancer, like that the musical tone, the focus of that tone uh -huh. helps cure the illness. Is that accurate? Not completely. Okay, so what my interpretation is that it's not necessarily the music that heals you, but it bring, it brings you back. So if you play music, let's say that you enjoyed before you got cancer, it'll bring you back to a time where you didn't have cancer. Interesting. And so that's one method. So listening to music or songs that, and let's, instead of cancer, let's use something that's like dementia, something more common that people don't really understand. Right. And we understand that plaque is involved with blocking that, but we also are aware that when you listen to music or play music or sing songs to the people you love who have dementia, they're able to pick up the tune and continue to sing. Is that like a therapeutic, what would be the therapeutic uh, version of music in terms of dementia? If you can. They showed me a violin has a very high, like, a, I don't know if it's a hierarchy. Higher that, frequency? Yes, a higher, higher fre frequency. Huh? And then, um, so that has a higher frequency of connecting, I'm getting. And then, like, guitar has a higher frequency, frequency of happiness. Because To the player because they've played it or to the person because they've heard it? As they listen to it. So, as they listen to it. Right. And then there could be with percussion, it feels like those beats with percussion also help heal the body in different Like, I'm just seeing a certain. The physicality of it. I've heard that before. Therapy where you're in a room where they put these giant speakers and the thump of the percussiveness actually physically moves your body. And, and affects your whatever your waves are, your frequency. I mean, binaural beats are very popular in this world of trying to connect to the flip side, but, are, but you're talking about something that's a little more about music, musicality of frequency as opposed to Yes, in beats. combination with believing, you, there, there's a- That it could help you, that's important. Right. Even and in the panacea effect. 
Because if you believe that it can help you, you can also, it's not too far of a stretch to believe that, um, just lost it, hold on. It's not too far of a stretch for you to believe that someone on the other side could help kill you. Let me ask you, Prince, in a list of names, if you don't mind, a few. They're showing me something really fast. Um, I should mention they showed me aluminum, which I'm just going to leave that. I don't what? know why. He showed you aluminum, the metal? Is it a conductor of sound? Conductor of sound. Conductor of sound. Well, I've I've seen speakers that are made out of aluminum. I mean, my brother used to sell them actually back in the 1970s. Frequency, I don't know. They're just piezoelectric. Like Prince, is that correct? Yeah, piezoelectric speakers. But that would be I'm you're given a physical way to do it. But what I'm going to ask you for, sir, is is some names of musicians. So okay. let's just pretend, and I know it's unique to each person, but if you were going to just give me five people that you think people should crank up because it'll help heal them on some level, what would they be? Who would that be? I keep coming back to Beethoven. Okay, thank you. That's one. Um, and name the symphonies that he's done. Uh, the ninth, uh, the, well, the fifth is the most, dun, 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 the fifth. The ninth is sort of the most elegiac, the last one. There's the Eroica, there's the seventh and the eighth. There's Moonlight Sonata. He was the youngest. Like when he was the youngest. Okay, that's interesting. That might have been the third. I mean, of course, the first would be his youngest because he did him in order. But let's ask Ludwig. Let's ask Beethoven. Do you mind bringing him in? Ludwig? Okay. Prince is talking about you, bro. <laughs> what do you think about that? Is he accurate? Hold on, they had a debate up there about it. Okay, please, share. They had a debate on what brings in the all-encompassing, like is it piano, violin, what is it? And it's everything at different, like it's everything. Everything with the different frequencies and different tones. Right. But Ludwig, We've talked to you and you are in the book and you do answer the question who the immortal beloved is, but we won't get into that here. Let people find that out for themselves. What I wanna ask you, sir, is talk about the healing nature of music. So Prince is saying one of your symphonies is most effective. And for you, what, what do you think that was? Which one, one through nine? Five, okay. The Fifth Symphony, which starts, dun, 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 the most famous really five notes. And, it was something that healed him. Oh, so it I, healed Ludwig. That's what he's saying. It okay, helped. Very good. Very good. Listen, I'm partial to your ninth, sir. Da, 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 already healed he just said so if you if you have to have music to get you out of something yeah. start off with the well and start off with the beginning that's so interesting go through all nine why not yeah and the fifth crank it up because that'll really it'll wake up your neighbors your root he's showing me the root chakra the root energy center 
like it has it has it makes that An effect on you yes. okay that would make sense for those familiar with chakras and the root chakra center that is in your pelvis you crank up the fifth symphony and you will feel it in your biscuits <laughs> biscuit rattling beethoven you like that that's kind of funny <laughs> well it is okay back so Prince, of course, is coming back. Go ahead. Back to Prince. The whole point of me breaking the you know, velvet rope and coming in, he's actually physically showed me breaking it, um, is that you have something with the music that you're, that you're playing and channeling, and the whole class is up there wanting to help. Um, it's almost like a book in and of itself. That's interesting. Very unusual. I was, I was uh, participating in a Zoom class the other day and people were talking about the great composer, Bernard Herrmann. It was people all over the world on this Zoom session. Philip Noyce was organizing it. It was a fantastic uh, class. Craig Armstrong, the composer was there and we, they were all talking about music and film. And, they played the psycho, you know, the violins, and how powerful that was and how it changed so many people because there's really no sound other than the shower and then screams and violins. And Bernard Herrmann was this amazing composer who I've studied a little bit, and I've composed the music for at least two of my films. But I, they came to me at the end of this three-hour session and said, Rich, you want to share anything? And I told the story of how when I was 25 years old, a friend of mine invited me to go to her friend's house, mm -hmm. um, like on a date. And she said, it's an older guy. Do you mind coming along? I just want to make sure this is cool. We're just friends, but I want to, you know. So I went to this guy's apartment, The Beard. Most amazing apartment I've ever seen in Manhattan. The skylight was just unbelievable. And he brought us some joints. And, I, you know, this was like in the 70s, and I was not a big pot smoker. But, you know, I took a couple of puffs, and I thought, oh, I am out there. I better get up and walk around, get some fresh air. Because if he's trying to knock me out, he's doing it. And as I walked around his house, I found all these gold records, one after the other after the other. And I'm looking at the name in the gold record, Bernard Herm. Wait a minute. The guy in the party is Bernie. So I went back to the table. I was so stoned, all I could say was, you got a lot of gold records here, Bernie. And that was Bernard Herrmann, you know, the guy who had composed all this great music. So that, well, let's ask Bernard, can you come forward? Prince, do you mind? I was waiting for you to say that. I was, well, why didn't, but please, Bernie. Only the visuals, it's almost like Batman, you know, Batman's, you know, high rise in New York, like it's- yeah. Or it goes for the back cave and how like beautiful it is. That's just kind of what it reminded me of. Very Ooh, good. I mean, Bernard, do you remember this event? <laughs> yes, vaguely. Vaguely. I had more to smoke than you did. <laughs> do you? Is it okay if we talk to you? Yeah. He put the thought in your. He put the thoughts in your head. So. Let me ask you this, sir. You worked with Hitchcock quite a bit. Have you been hanging out with him on the flip side? 
No, he's moved on. He okay. <laughs> when you crossed over, who was there? Oh, go ahead. There's a joke in there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Actually, who's the guitar player that's famous? That's Jimmy. Yes, he's been hanging out with him. Hanging out with Jimmy. Very yeah. good. Have you been hanging out with Stravinsky? That's weird. Hold on. He knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, he, he says yeah, but he's showing me him on the outer. Per like he, he's either coming, like he's planning his next return right now or something. He's helping. Bernie, himself. who? E Igor or Bernie? Stravinsky planning his next return or? Stravinsky. Stravinsky. Very good. For the audience out there, Jennifer doesn't have to know who these people are. It's fine. Bernie does. So Bernard. David Raxon, David Raxon, are you familiar with him, Bernie? Mm -hmm. David, are you around? Can you come forward? He showed me the record, like a record, and then he showed me just some of the, so I don't know if he produced records or what he did. He was a composer, just like Bernard. And in fact, they were friends. I knew David. Okay. David, do you want to show Jennifer where we met? Did you meet in the park? We did. We met in a park in Spain. In Spain. Oh, that's so interesting because you showed me what I thought was Central Park. But, mm -hmm. Well, we drove around. There was a music festival in uh, northern Spain, southern France, mm -hmm. and I got a chance to spend a week with David Raxon, and he told me some great Bernard Herman stories. But Bernard, back to you for a second, sir. Can I tell you what I'm feeling from somebody stole something from one each other? <laughs> Okay, very good. Yes, that's why I brought up Stravinsky's name. Thank you. Bernard, did you lift music from Stravinsky? You sure did. There's like Thank three. You. There's something with three. Like three pieces. Sure. But in and out of like, yeah. Can I, can I share that I was listening? I used the Firebird Suite in one of my films called Point of Betrayal. Rod Taylor, who worked with Hitchcock, is in that film. As I'm listening to the Firebird Suite, I'm hearing Bernard Herrmann, because I realize he's lifted whole sections. Yes, but, they, that's okay. what he said. He's lifted <laughs> sections. So there's like three different sections that he kind of lifted and changed just the ending of it. Listen, every, and Bernard, correct me if I'm wrong. They've been doing this for centuries. They've been doing this for centuries. Right. And the truth is there, there is an old saying, people, great artists, you know, don't, don't steal, they borrow because they've done it before. Right. Yeah. So, but I think it's hilarious that Stravinsky <laughs> wanted to point that out, I guess. Well, they, he kept putting it in my head. So he was moving away from Bernard in my mind. I'm like, well, what is it? You're not talking to each other. But they started laughing and I'm like, He's preparing something. He doesn't want me to know about it. I mean, he doesn't want him to steal his lifetime from what I was, now that I understand the situation. He didn't want him to steal what he's planning to go. <laughs> That's, but okay. I'm like, what about, I'm like, what does this have to Mind do? Mind bending. What does this have to do with? Mind blowing. Well, I love the fact that you don't uh, edit. You just allow and you tell it to me and then I'm the weird guy who has an answer for that comment. Listen, that would, a lot of people are going to argue about that. If they hear that, they're going to say, Bernard Herman never lifted anything, blah, 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 you're full of baloney. Three. We just heard it from Igor himself. Yeah. 
So Igor, just briefly, you're planning on returning. Is that right? You're already working on your return. Is that what Jennifer said? <laughs> okay, thank you. Anyone to know? Okay, very good. Oh, very good. It's up to you, bro. I know it's your choice. He was just trying to show me how he wasn't letting him know. Like he stole. Oh, because he would steal then. <laughs> well, how about you, Bernie? Are you planning on coming back anytime soon, or what? Waiting for you, Reg. Plan oh, it all funny. out. You know, I when I I went off to Europe after I met you, Bernie, and I didn't know you had passed away. You passed away while I was gone. What happened? You had a heart attack, but I mean, was it related to no. smoking pot or what? No, it felt more like an aneurysm versus a heart attack. I see. That's what okay. it felt like. Not related to being a guy starting to smoke a lot of pot or stuff like that. <laughs> well, you just showed me like laughing, going, fuck, I'm dying or I'm dead. Wow. <laughs> it's already out there. But give me a second. I mean, you were only 60 something. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry. Shut up, Igor. He says karma's a bitch. Um, karma is a bitch. He was kidding around. There is no karma. That's not why he. There died. is no karma. I know we've talked about this. It just means energy or action in yeah. Sanskrit. Died because you stole something from me. That was what he was kidding around about. But I um, see. And he's I like. See. He's like, it's pretty black and white. So if anybody looked up this, whatever it was, it's pretty black and white. With a few Who was there to greet you, Bernie, when you crossed over? Hold on. Go ahead, sorry. That was it? Was he in the street when he died? Was he just walking and then he died? He's shown two different scenes. I don't know. Are you there? I'm there. I'm here, but now you're like on delay. All right, let's go no, there. Fine. I'm fine. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, I have 15 minutes. Okay, very good. So, Bernard, just to finish up with you, brother. He said, did he die in his bathroom or on the street? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. He would know. Where'd you die, brother? Out in the street or in the bathroom? He died in his home, but he felt like he was out on the street looking up. Looking so maybe, up. like, maybe he was. Okay. You know. Okay, that's our. He had a heart issue that wasn't diagnosed, he says. So he had a precondition coming into this world. Ah, very good. Sorry to hear it. But no excuses. He's not giving excuses or he had a. No, no. And thank you for all the great music you create. You created. I mean, I've listened to Hitchcock, or I've watched Hitchcock without your music, and with fantastic the Twilight Zone theme song came from you. You were instrumental in scaring the shit out of us for the past fifty years. <laughs> so, Prince Luana, anybody else we need to talk to? Oh, Robert, our friend Robert asked if we could talk to his dog he says will he just listen to me i was like will he just listen to me okay so, hold on a second so, wait 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 let me sure show me stuff go ahead uh, 
all right, I can't judge it. I don't know, raisins or something about raisins. So I don't know if he gave higher raisins when you're not supposed to, I guess. I don't know. Um, well, that's, but hold on. The question that our friend Robert has for you, and this for the audience listening, this is a friend of ours whose dog passed away 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And we've been able to demonstrate to him because of new information that his dog is still available and can converse. So the question we're asking, and Robert asked me, is can you come by for a visit? So Hira gave you a verification, raisins, something, just to show Robert that it's accurate. But how, how can you come, how do you, how do people ask their pet, like we're asking you to come by for a visit? That's a very interesting question. Um, Oh, so cute. He's just like, you start focusing your heart on it, on them. You know, so you start- Before like, you go to bed? I just got the parrot or the bird that you have. So, and then, okay, hold on, show me in. And then you just ask questions. You ask them, you know, by, you do it with their name. So they know what lifetime it is that you want them from, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, of course. And then, Barney. And then, hold on. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell him that. <laughs> he said when he drops food that he's with him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So like if you drop a piece of crumb or something, the he knows to come running um and then he needs to drink more okay hold on I, uh, that's funny he used his name robert needs to drink more water he needs to be hydrated so hyra hydrated hyra i appreciate the pun the question though is for everybody so you're saying connect with your heart so re take would it be helpful to take out a photograph of their pet? Photograph, or some people keep collars or whatever. Um, a photograph, collars, anything that a scent usually really, like, okay, hold on a second. I know it's easy. I can smell the other side, so I can get a, you know, so he's like, well, yeah. let's eat. But I'm like, so my question to him was, are you bringing the scent or they just have to like envision, like almost like smelling you or whatever. And he's yeah. like, well, not that good at the end. So don't try going back there. <laughs> you know, um, but that idea of, of a photograph of an item and then what do they do? Do they, I mean, how do they realize they're getting a message? I know they're thinking, is he going to bark? You know, is it going to woof? So how do you ask a question and get an answer? just don't judge it like they will give them an answer just ask questions treat them like human beings on the other side because some people get caught up with like you talk to us all day long here but then you're you don't talk to us over there which is true which is hilarious if you think about it okay so Hira, just to clarify so it's the same thing that morton told us which is say their name bring out the item bring out the photograph ask them specific questions if you ask about yourself it's a little more trickier because then they have to sort of think about you but if you ask them questions about themselves like who was there to greet you 
what do you miss about being on the planet? What's your favorite thing? Blah, blah, blah. Where's your favorite walk? Where's your favorite toy? Whatever. And then when they answer before you ask the question, then you'll know you've made a connection. Is that correct, Tyra? He went like this with his free paw. <laughs> paw on nose. I like that. Paw on nose. <laughs> for, for the audience out there, I went to work for Robert Town, the screenwriter, Oscar Award winning screenwriter, wrote the movie Chinatown. I was his lowest assistant in his office. I walked Tyra. That was my job. And on movie sets, that was at the very bottom of the list, Dog Walker, me. But I did that for three years. And Tyra walked me. I never walked Tyra. Hira would just go wherever he wanted and I would tail along behind. So I knew him. And when we, Jennifer and I did a session with Robert, ostensibly to speak to a friend, a mutual friend of me and Robert's on the other side, to show him, to demonstrate as possible. And we did. We did talk to this friend who talked about us scattering his ashes out at sea and all this other stuff. Verifiable details. Nice. That you, Jennifer could not know. And I said, can we talk to Hira? And Robert said, is that possible? Can we talk to Hira? And I said, well, let's find out. Jennifer didn't know who Hira was, but she said, why am I seeing a giant white shag rug? And that was Hira. He was this commodore. But we asked him specific questions. He talked about a trip to Catalina that he and Robert took, where he challenged some buffalo something that Jennifer could not have known. Only Robert was there, I wasn't there. So your animal, your pet. Another thing real fast. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but I yeah, read, listening to our book, um, Backstage Pass 3, mm -hmm. um, listening to that book, nine out of 10 times when people leave the planet, they're greeted by their pets. That's crazy. I'm like, did I just every single time almost? Well, and I was saying that to Robert today. You're in this process of shifting from one realm to the other. And it's, where am I? And yeah. when a pet shows up, an animal that you know, suddenly you're not thinking about where am I? You're thinking about, oh, there's my dog. You know, there's my cat. There's yeah. my whatever. Sorry, again, and humans, like, so uh, they just showed me something which is brilliant, thank you. Um, that animals, everyone knows animals are going to heaven. Like, they associate animals with heaven. Like, there's nothing you could do. Like, people, there's some bad people in the world, just in the context of this conversation. Sure. So, so animals, they already feel like they're in a good place when they see an animal, which I never took, I never even thought about that but they already feel like they're in a good place and then they can slowly bring in people because the people that, I mean, they'll start recognizing people, you know, within seconds or nanoseconds, but animals give them that, again, what we call the soft landing. Soft landing. And we've heard that from quite a few people where they look down and there's like cats at their feet and they're thinking, where the head, where do these come from? And then they realize, oh, I know this cat. And then that allows them to shift frequency whatever the frequency is. But what we've learned uh, just through this question and answer, this kind of rudimentary investigation is that you can ask the animal, 
The same questions you can ask people. Who was there to greet you when you crossed over, et cetera, et cetera. That's interesting. Sorry, that's me, isn't that your sketch? I just was showing <laughs> a giraffe when I asked Tyra. Showing what? A giraffe when I asked Tyra. Oh, who was there to greet him? He showed me literally a giraffe. Okay, let's ask him. Why are you showing her a giraffe, Hira? Oh. He says he was in love with a giraffe when he was really young. As a, as a dog in this life or a previous life? I don't, I have no... Well, let's ask him. Hira, do you mean in a previous life? When you were living in Africa or somewhere where giraffes are hanging out? Well, I feel like Robert's gonna know. There's just something that has to do with- Oh, wow, okay. Robert wrote the movie Tarzan, Greystoke. What? Robert wrote the movie Greystoke, Tarzan. He spent 10 years focused on those animals in Africa, gorillas. So yeah. there may be a giraffe like a toy giraffe that might have been around the house. Three paws. I don't know. Okay. Three paws. Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> it's just very cool. See, now Jennifer doesn't know that Robert Town wrote Greystoke. No, I had no idea. Well, I don't even know what Greystone is. I, I Greystoke is the legend of Tarzan. It was a movie that was made by Warner Brothers. Robert was supposed to direct it, and then they took it away from him. And so he made the movie Personal Best instead. But it won an Oscar. It was up for an Oscar. It was a brilliant screenplay, and many people consider it one of the greatest screenplays they'd ever read. But it's the story of Tarzan living in the jungle, befriending these animals which are sentient. And Robert credits Hira with not only inspiring the movie Chinatown, but also Greystoke, because he had such a connection with Hira of sentience, of understanding that he was thinking something. Thing. So Hyra's the one that told me that by being greeting our loved ones when they cross over, they already feel sentient. So they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I did all these bad things in my life. Am I going to get in trouble? You know, they're like, yeah, like where's I'm the in, angel of death? I'm in a great place. And this was a really cool thing. I that was, of course, I'm learning from Hyra. I'm like, <laughs> we all are. I pass away before Freddie does. My husband. There's, he's not going to want to see me. He's going to want to see his dog. <laughs> he wants to see you. Cut that out. Um, Hira, can I ask you one more question, my friend, before we lose you? We lose Jennifer? Your mother. He had two moms, she said. <laughs> and who were they? I don't know. Robert knew your mother. Wait one second. Yeah. There's something about a big bird. I don't know if it's a pelican. I have no idea what it is. So he's sharing with me that he had his mom mom, right? But yeah, he also thought, dog mom. Like he also thought that this. Pelican. Was it a live pelican or a stuffed pelican? It wasn't a live bird. It was a big bird. Okay. And it was just something that would walk. like. Hiro. I think was born in Hungary, or the guy who bred him was a Hungarian, because he had papers in Hungary, and his mother was also part of this line of dogs, and Robert actually adopted, I think, two, maybe three of the same line. So that guy may have owned a pelican, 
it's possible. Well, ask Kyra, where did the pelican, was that in this life or a previous one? This life. Okay. In fact, I think there was even a statue or something. All right. Well, that. Okay, like the, he might have come from the land of birds. I don't know. And hungry. I have no idea. I'm just letting you know I'm getting shown a statue. I'm getting shown a real bird. He actually thought that. And you're seeing a pelican. I don't know. a big beak. Pelican. It's a big beak and it's chubby. I don't know. Mine, mine, mine. Those are pelicans. In the... Maybe. You know, they say stuff that has so many meanings. Yeah, right? they could be mocking you for referencing little Finding Nemo. I'm not going to, like, if my class does that, I'm shutting <laughs> I have to go anyways. I'm All right. Lou, was this everybody we needed to talk to today? And then some. She like rolled. And then some. Okay, and next week? There's all these animals up there now. Oh, the, the zoo. Very good. Thank you, class. Thank you, Hira. Thank you, Bernard Herman. I didn't even think to ask you to come forward, but here we are talking about Bernard. Igor Stravinsky. Yeah. Thank you. Ludwig Beethoven. Feels so much better. <laughs> Very good. And Prince, of course. Thank you. You are a master of the frequency of music. And we know that whenever we ask you questions, we always learn something new. I love that. So. We appreciate that. I love reading our books. Okay, very good. They're number one. I mean, uh, architecture is number one at Audible in its genre, whatever that means. <laughs> number I love one. We're I number love one. You. Okay, we love you. All right. Love See you. you later, guys. Be okay. good. Wash your hands and blow them off. Bye. Okay.